When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Oh! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Well, you knew we weren't going to go that much longer without talking about the Tampa Bay Rays system. We got another week. We've got another farm system breakdown here on the call up. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And unsurprisingly, Jack, you know, I was waiting for you to be able to hop in and edit this. Or I, I should say you were waiting for me to finish so that you could hop in and edit this. Of course, the Rays system took longer than I thought it would because there were so many names to go through. but. We're done, and I'm really excited to talk about these names. Yeah, man, long time no see, right? I mean, it's just a whole bunch of, you know, hey, I'm almost done. Give me five more minutes. Wait, I found another guy. I need five more minutes. Wait, I found like three more guys. You know what? Just just give me like an hour, and and I should be good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this organization, much like Cleveland, is very deep because they're really good at knowing what they want from guys. And, And I think that they do a great job scouting. Uh, And obviously we've seen a template for a pitcher and a hitter in the Tampa Bay Rays organization work. So really any prospect that almost fits that template or is talented that doesn't fit the template, you got to mention. So that's why I'm sure this list was way longer for you to put together than the typical list. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, we'll get into it when we get to the specific names. But, you know, I think the last year or so, the race system went from being, you know, among the top three to maybe, you know, closer to the eight to 10 range or somewhere in between. I'd have to lay it all out. But it wasn't the elite, elite, elite system that we've seen it at other points. And it's because you graduate talent. Some prospects have not totally panned out at the big league level. You know, we talk about Vidal Brujan, you know, some of these other guys that maybe haven't hit. And I know Rays fans are a bit frustrated with with the way that some of the offensive prospects have not totally translated. But we'll, we'll get into low. some of these guys and, and how, you know, why I think some of these guys will be different. But there's a lot of big upside prospects that are at that, like, breakout point of their minor league career a couple of 19 year olds in the middle of the top 10 a couple other really tooled up 21 22 year olds who could really foot like push their way into the top 100 list with a good first half this season so this system has a chance to go right back to elite elite uh when we 
you know, get to the middle point of the season if some of these guys reach their ceiling. But then, of course, the one thing that you alluded to, Jack, it's always going to be deep and it's always going to have intrigue. And that's where we'll start. Right. And of course, well, you can always follow along with the link in the description. We'll never record a podcast on a farm system without the write ups already out. Uh, so that write up is already out at just baseball.com. So you can follow along. And those watching on YouTube, we just put it up on the screen here. So here we go. We'll start with the other names to watch. Usual approach here is I fly through until I can barely breathe because I talked so many uh, about so many guys so fast. And then Jack will fill in the blanks there. So starting with the other names to watch, outfielder Tristan Peters, recently acquired, was good in high A, struggled in double A. He was traded multiple times at the deadline, uh, but the second trade, I think initially it was Matt Bush, I think it was from the Rangers, and then to the Giants. I don't remember all, how he ended up in so many different places, but whatever it was, it was Brett Wisely that he was swapped for at the 40-man crunch that the Rays just didn't have room for Wisely. I actually really like Wisely, but Peter's really good bat-to-ball guy, sneaky athlete, you know, more of a fourth outfielder type. Evan Reifert, a guy that I got to see up close and personal, right-handed pitcher uh, that I think is going to be a great bullpen piece. Saw him in the Arizona Fall League. That's one of the best sliders in the system, one of the better sliders in the minor leagues. It's disgusting. I've sent you a video of Reifert's 70-grade slider. It's a mid-90s fastball as well. Those two pitches, he's going to be that next raise reliever. I got no worries about that, and I think he could be up as soon as you know middle of this season. Marcus Johnson acquired in the uh, JT Chagois, Xavier Edwards trade. Uh, Johnson was a fourth round pick by the Marlins. And, you know, when you have two systems and the Marlins don't do great with with developing hitters, we know that. But they do great, a great job with pitchers. They ID Johnson. I've talked to Johnson's catcher at Duke, who Mike Rothenberg, who said Johnson was really Really exciting and just scraping the surface of what he could be. Made sense that the Marlins ID'd him in the fourth round. Makes even more sense that the Rays ID'd him in this in this trade that they made, another 40-man crunch move with Edwards. So Johnson hasn't really put it all together yet at any level, but 6'6", six, six, three pitches that all flash above average. Look out for Johnson. He could be an option as a guy that could really climb quickly and, and turn into a legitimate prospect. Dominic Keegan. Uh, an underrated bat fourth rounder that, you know, the, the lack of catching ability was, was the question for him uh, at Vanderbilt. He really mashed and then got better and better and better with the bat as his college career progressed, earns high grades for the makeup. And some seems to think that he can solidify himself behind the dish because of how hard he works. But regardless, the bat really, really works. He can really hit the ball and he's got bat to ball skills plus raw power. He reminds me a little bit of, of, a B grade Kevin Parada with the questions behind the dish, but a really good bat. Ryan Cermak, 71st overall pick in the 2022 draft outfielder, really fast, has above average power potential, but you know, questions around the hit tool. Not many looks at him, so I don't have much more beyond that. Ian Seymour had a dominant 2021 as a left-handed pitching prospect for them. Then had Tommy John. We barely got to see him last year. The VLO wasn't all the way back yet. So this is a big year for him development-wise to prove that he belongs in the 40-man roster because he is Rule 5 eligible after this year and has shown flashes of really good things. Cooper Kenny, infielder, 34th overall selection in 2021. Kenny missed all of last year with a labrum tear, uh, but he is really, really interesting. Some of the limited video I saw, I think there's potential for above average hit and power probably will settle in at third base. Brock Jones could have been a first round pick, but a really streaky year at Stanford resulted in him falling into the second round. I don't know if he's ever going to hit enough, Jack. That's something that I'm pretty concerned about. He's stiff. Uh, I don't know how 
how the hit tool is going to translate, but this is a plus raw power guy, plus speed, super strong, can stick in center. So you, you got to follow that guy no matter what. Xavier Isaac, first round pick in this past draft, was a surprise pick at 29th overall. Really big first baseman. Didn't have a lot of fanfare going into the draft, but the Rays obviously like something. This is a guy that has a good feel to hit. Big time power potential at 6'4", 240. So I haven't seen much of Isaac, so we'll have to kind of wait and see there. And then Herberto Hernandez, who was acquired in the Nathaniel Lowe trade. He's got big power, a lot of swing and miss concerns, no defensive position. But any guy that hits the ball as hard as Hernandez does, 24 home runs in 119 games, I'm not going to ignore that. He's got really short levers. It's it's kind of like T-Rex armsy, which makes yeah. it surprising that he strikes out as much as he does, but it gives me some hope that he can hit enough. Very patient, walks a ton. That's it for the names to watch, Jack. Where do you want to fill in? I'll go top down. Uh, the T-Rex analogy with a swing, while it may be conducive to not swinging and missing much, even though Herberto Hernandez is swinging and missing much, it's a very funny visual. So I, I kind of want to watch him go swing now. Like I, I'm thinking short arms and just swinging like big man, little arms. It's kind of funny to think about. Um, Xavier Isaac, real quick, you don't have many looks because nobody has many looks. He has 21 yeah. plate appearances at the complex, and that's it. He's a high school first baseman. Who knows anything about a high school first baseman? Because sometimes they turn into Tristan Casas. Other times they don't turn into Tristan Casas. We need to see Xavier Isaac get off the complex and go play in Charleston or Bowling Green. Brock Jones is at risk of being Chris Coughlin. He's at risk of being a bunch of biceps and like not much big league value. You know what I mean? Like he's a guy, oh, great. You know, he was a safety on the football team. That's awesome. And he's a really well-built outfielder and he's a really well-built hitter. Um physicality only takes you as far as talent will take you. And Giancarlo Stanton, yes, his cut from God physique certainly helps, but he's also got a gift from God at swinging a baseball bat. And Brock Jones right now doesn't seem like he has that innate feel to make contact with breaking pitches, right? Or like adjust in the zone and things like that so you know maybe he's outmatched right now but with that physical build it's hard to like count him out entirely especially after a brief cameo in low a um other guy dominic keegan keegan was for the most part a first baseman at vandy this year because jack bulger was doing a lot of the catching and bulger while he may not be that overwhelming presence offensively He's a really good defensive catcher. And that guy is a tree stump, like no batting gloves, forearms are insane. That's Jack Bulger. So Keegan played a hell of a first base. Obviously Tampa wants him to be a catcher because catchers are far more valuable than first baseman. The bat plays 1100 OPS. He hit 370. I think he led the SEC in hitting this past year. If not, Enrique Bradfield was right above him and Keegan was right there as well. And then Reifert, they just extended Pete Fairbanks. I mean, Oliver Drake is in that bullpen. Like they have a bunch of weird looking guys with elite sliders. That's just how they roll. And Reifert's the next one. Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot wait for Reifert to come up because I, that's one that I just have no doubt that that slider is going to be all over pitching Ninja. Once he, once he can rein in, you know, the, the command a little bit and be a little bit more consistent uh, with his fastball location. So yeah. As we always do, that means the next five here, which is prospects 11 to 15 who who just missed the top 10. I'll start with Willie Vasquez, who was a name that I wasn't as familiar with before going into this. 
Uh, this is a guy that I've, you know, I've kept tabs on, watched a little bit, but his numbers, honestly, in low A kind of stopped me from doing a deeper dive. Uh, but as I was doing the system and then even specifically uh, a buddy of mine, Chris Clegg, who does an awesome job over with pitcher list and uh, a lot of his own stuff with fan tracks tool shed. I could go on and on. If you're a dynasty fantasy person, uh, definitely check him out uh, as well as uh, the just fantasy show that we're excited about. And I'm sure uh, they're going to try to get Chris on there because he does a great job. But Chris asked a question and said, you know, what do you think of Willie Vasquez as I was highlighting some breakout guys in the system? And uh, that question kind of led me to dive a little bit deeper again and say, OK, well, is he in the same boat as the junior Camineros and those types in terms of the upside? And I would say he's not far off. I mean, he is big. He's 6'3". Uh, he's got long levers. His exit velos have been pretty impressive. A 106 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velos is really good, especially when you look at uh, the lack of slug in low A. You wouldn't really expect that. Max exit velocities were, were really impressive. The 10 home runs in 113 games is concerning, and it's mostly swing path related from what I saw. I mean, there's not much of a negative move with his hands. He seems to, to be a little bit uh, downward towards the ball, which results in more ground balls and less lift and doesn't leverage his, his bat speed enough. Uh, but this guy's just 21 years old, already flashing the power that he's flashed. I think Vasquez could really see things click and turn into a major offensive force uh, if he can get the ball in the air a bit more and find some more consistency, I think he can settle in and be a good third baseman as well. We were just talking about him absolutely shredding the Australian Winter League with the Perth Heat. Um, he and uh, Junior Caminero are there together, right? Yeah. Really, Vasquez? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Vasquez, the, the thing that jumped out to me was his lack of ability to get on base. Like, he hit 260 with a 310 OBP. Yeah, if that can get a bit better, the power plays up a little bit, right? And the speed obviously plays up because you're walking, you're getting on first base, and you have a great chance to take second if you're 25 for 28 in the stolen base department. So he's a great mix of power and speed. The next thing to add is discipline. And if that happens, this guy's a rocket ship, and he's absolutely a top 10 prospect. 100%, 34% chase rate around 34, 35% chase rate. Like that's obviously going to keep you from, from getting on the bases as, as much as you should. And also is going to make it harder to get your A swing off consistently. And I think this is a guy that's trying to figure out how to get his A swing off consistently, but there's room to add you know strength to that frame. So you can imagine how much more power could be in the tank if he can lift more consistently. Yeah. Ronnie Simon. Ronnie Simon is a name that, you know, We've been talking about since I went out to the Arizona Fall League, right? You and I did a recording uh, on on the call up talking about some of the names that really stood out to me, and and Simon was one of them. I mean, this dude uh, is is another under the radar, specifically targeted Rays prospect that you know they got him in the Jordan Luplo deal, which is ridiculous from Arizona, and and, and I think Arizona saw him as expendable because of the fact that he's super raw. Uh, his frame is he's listed at five, nine, that might be generous. Um, and you know, that profile of aggressive hitter, you know, a little bit raw, like still learning to play the game. There were some things that I saw even in the field where I'm like, Oh man, this guy just kind of plays with reckless abandonment. Uh, but at the same time, the race, I did a switch hitting plus runner who, you know, has still been able to produce despite his raw nature to his game. And, and also hits for more power than you'd think, right? This is very compact frame, yet he was able to launch 22 home runs between high A and double A. I watched him scorch one straight off the wall, line drive, and that really caught my attention. That kind of led me to, to watch more BP, do some more digging into the data. This is a guy that chases as much as anybody, and he's got to rein that in. But he went up to double A, 
put up more strong numbers. And, and this is somebody that can play all over the infield, staying power at short. I see him more as that switch hitting super utility type if he can hit enough. And um, another guy that the race just did a great job of IDing. And I think he's progressing nicely. If he can improve that approach, he could be an everyday infielder. Yeah, I mean, another guy, power and speed, right? Like craziness, but discipline is the next thing. 260 with a 300 OBP, dude. Like you're so talented at a young age. Like in double, this guy is 12 for 14 in the stolen base department. That's excellent. And, and in 39 games, he has seven pumps. He has 15 in 70 games, and he's 22 for 28 in the stolen base department in high eight, too. So, this guy obviously has power and speed. Um, this is one of those where small in stature, good ball player may just fly under the radar. And I think that is more so the case with position players now than pitchers, because we've been lucky to have a lot of shorter pitchers show that they can be successful at the major league level. Um, in terms of short position players that have pop, and speed it's Altuve and who else you know what yeah, I mean so yeah. if this guy's trying to be the second then I think teams are going to doubt it and I think Arizona may be kicking themselves for doubting Ronnie Simon because while he won't be Jose Altuve he could be the Kmart version of Jose Altuve yeah. and that's a really good everyday big leaguer that's the thing man like and he his ability to play all over really helps too because you know you can plug him in at third short second uh, maybe they might even see if he can play a little outfield a little bit more out there and see how that goes because of his speed because of his arm strength so this is a guy that you just you just go get that talent for Jordan Lupo and and you figure it out right and that's yeah, exactly and what's what going to do for you right yeah nothing Nothing. And that's the trend in this system, right? Like trading, they target a couple guys here and there. Uh, you're going to see some of the same issues, right? Like high chase rates. That's something that I'm going to repeat a lot as we go through these guys and, and through the system. But I think that's something that the Rays see is like, okay, these guys have better bat to ball skills than maybe some of the teams that currently own the rights to them. Or, you know, it, it, like, let's say when Simon was with the D-backs, I think the D-backs sold his hit tool short because they didn't bake in the fact that the chase rates were playing into that. So you cut the chase rate down, all of a sudden that hit tool looks a bit better. It wasn't as much about the swing. It was about the swing decisions. So I think when you look at the guys that the Rays are IDing, I think they're IDing guys that have swings that are better than they get credit for that are getting undermined by bad approaches. I always talk about getting your A swing off. Some of these guys have a good A swing. They're just not getting it off as much because bad swing decisions are leading to more B swings. And that's why the Rays are so good at IDing these types of players, I think, is it's more approach-oriented than actual swing and, and skill base that they figure you can change approach a lot easier than you can change a swing. And I think right. we're starting to see that with some of their prospects. And if they like the A swing, they just tell their guys like, hey, quit firing off B and C swings. Yeah, which is easier said than done, but it, it's, it's a big approach thing that can really help you do that. Cameron Meisner, acquired from the Marlins. This is an interesting prospect because I think he's another guy that doesn't get enough love. He goes from a Marlins system that, you know, he, he could probably be used in, in the Marlins system right now. He could arguably be their starting center fielder very soon with, with what he's able to do. He is big power, good speed, a lot of swing and miss, but a very patient approach. So he hedges the swing and miss with a 17% walk rate. He can play center field. And 
I think he's going to be that similar. Like I know we like to throw it out very often, but it's like that Joey Gallo mold of walk a lot, play great defense, hit a lot of homers, and he's going to strike out a lot. Uh, and that's what Meisner seems to be. But the strikeout rate dwindled as the year went on. And I still think this guy's a really intriguing prospect. You want to talk about a swing like Cam Meisner is a swing and nothing else because he's mm-hmm. getting his a swing off when he's chasing. Um, and obviously that's oh, yeah. where the swing and miss comes from. He's one of the very few three true outcome guys in this organization. And he is three true outcome to a T. Yeah. Um, I, I want to stay away from the Gallo comp, actually, and I want to give you one that, that is almost undermining what Cam Meisner can be. Sam Hilliard is a name that jumps to <laughs> mind for me. And, like, Hilliard, I, I think Meisner is going to be better than Hilliard. Mm-hmm. But what does Hilliard do that Gallo doesn't? Sam Hilliard is fast as hell. Yeah. Cam Meisner's fast as hell. 32 for 39 in the stolen base department at AA this year in 117 games. So this guy, when he walks... He uses his patience to create havoc on the base paths. He can double, but he can also walk and swipe backs. So his 25 doubles pretty much turned into a 40 double season because he was so effective on the base paths. So if you are, relatively speaking, well, by transitive property, like a 40 double guy because you have 25 and then you swipe, you know, 20 more bags, 25 more bags and you are 20 to 25 homer potential, I'm okay with the swing and miss if you're getting on base that much. That's a great point because you think about like a Carlos Santana who walks a ton and great. It's great. Whether you're fast or slow, getting on base is a good thing. Yeah, but, but there's a much, not it's, it's much more valuable, right, to get Meisner on first base than Santana. So that high walk rate with his speed is definitely more valuable than you know some of the other walk rates that we see with the other three true outcome types. I think that's a great point, Jack. And that's a, a reason why I like Meisner as a top 15 prospect in the system, despite being 25 years old, is that he gives you a lot more value than your typical three true outcome guy with the ability to play center, with the stolen base ability, which I don't know if you have it in front of you, but it was what, 32, I think, off the top of my head, 32 for 37, if I remember right? 32 for 39. It was caught oh, seven okay. times. Close. Um, hey, real quick, can you rescind your laughter for the Sam Hilliard comp? I thought that was good, and you hurt my feelings. <laughs> I, I just Sam Hilliard is just brutal, eh? right? Like I, Meisner's better. It's if you smash the upgrade button on Sam Hilliard. Sorry to hurt your feelings. You made fun of my euphemisms a couple episodes ago. I'm I'm not going to rescind it. Um, Colby White, Colby White has really good stuff. Talk about another bullpen arm that is going to go straight into that bullpen. The reason why White is better than Reifert is a little bit more track record. Coming off of Tommy John surgery, has didn't pitch last year and still got added to the 40-man roster because his fastball is 70 grade. It is mid-90s with 20 inches of induced vertical break, which means it's basically rising uh, in the eyes of the hitter. He can throw that fastball pretty much exclusively, I think, out of the bullpen and and be good like and be a really good reliever he needs a secondary pitch to to stand out he's got a, a a slider that flashes above average a splitter that flashes above average one of those pitches needs to make a bit more of of a stride uh and i think it's going to be the slider but again the fastball in a one inning spurt he could literally just throw that pitch and it's going to miss barrels it is a really good fastball um his low a numbers in 2021 before tj Low A was his first of four stops. He literally went low A, high A, double, triple. Yep. His low A numbers are the stuff of legends. 11 appearances, um, 
16 and a third innings, 36 punch outs, <laughs> one walk, and no earned runs. That's it. it that's just an, the invisible that he's throwing. There's no one out of chance. He's just throwing fastballs. It's idiotic, man. I mean, he had the Mervis trajectory. Mervis was high A, double, triple, and he was getting better at each level. Obviously, you're not going to get better than 36 to one, but 35 7, 19 3, 14 4. Like, those are all good ratios. 62 innings, 104 punch outs, 15 walks. That's 15 Ks per nine, 2.2 walks per nine. When you've got that swing and miss stuff and you pound the zone, you can be incredibly successful. And that's not the last time I'm going to say that this episode. No. And and the crazy thing with White Man is like, again, he literally w- did not pitch all last year in the Rays. It wasn't even a thought, right? Like we're adding this guy to the 40 man because guess what? He would have been taken in the rule five in two seconds because of how nasty he is. The fastball command is spectacular. And Jack, do you know what the what the numbers were against his fastball in 2021? And, and mind you, he threw it 70% of the time. That's very common in this system, right? Like a bunch of guys just throw their fastball all the time because it's so good. Like Taj throws it all the time because it's so good. Um, and throw, a couple other guys in this top 10. Throw but. your best pitch all the time. 123 opponent batting average on a fastball that he threw 70% of the time. All right. Um, let me pull up Christian Javier's numbers so we can put this into context. And and again, it's a reliever, so it's he's going to play up more. But right. also, the in zone whiff rate was a better than forty percent on his fastball. And again, like hitters were only sitting fastball; like they're letting him beat beat him with the slider. The slider wasn't even that great for him. It was really just the fastball. So uh, if he can get that slider there to the point of even being above average, Kobe White could be one of the better relievers in the game. Like I, I I'm not kidding. Um, and, and for him to be top 15 in this system with a relievers profile at 24 years old speaks to that. I think, because generally speaking, you're not going to put a reliever that high in, in a prospect ranking, especially in a pretty good race system. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Christian Javier had a opponent batting average of 183 against his fastball. And I think that, was the best performing fastball in Major League Baseball this year. It's Maybe Carlos be. Rodon's fastball. Yeah. Um, but I'll pull up like the lowest batting averages against a fastball. I'll, I'll even do the bullpen too. And you can talk about Greg Jones in the meantime, but I'm just going to contextualize like how stupid that number, that little success against it's, a fastball is. It's it's to have anything in the 120 range against a fastball that you predominantly throw more than two thirds of the time is is unheard of. And and again, that's not just low A. That's that's every level. He pitched at every level. But Greg Jones, uh, we've seen him as high as number six on Fangraphs recently released list, and I think that is purely because he is such an insane athlete. And I I can I can respect that. From fan graphs, are you talking about a switch hitter with 80 grade speed and above average power? I, I think the swing and miss concerns at this point are too prevalent to have him in the top 10, especially with the other names that, that are available to put in the top 10. But Jones is a guy I will never give up on, uh, especially given I've had the chance to talk to him. I've had him on the podcast in the past. Super smart guy, hard worker, uh, really, really knows the game. And, and that's a guy that I'm just never going to give up on when you when you bridge that with with talent. He had some stretches last year where I'm like, oh, my gosh, Greg Jones found it. Like a few series where I'm like, whoa, this might be it. And then there was others where it was like, oh, my gosh, is this guy going to like get through the season? Like, who is this guy? So if he can land somewhere in the middle 
he could be a really, really good player, even with a low batting average. He's going to swipe bags with the best of them, 37 to 42 last year. He's got 15 to 20 home run power. He can stick it short. He can play center field if they want to move him out there. He could be that super utility type, uh, but he's got to hit better. He's got to be more than the 30-grade hitter that he's shown us so far. Um, What did you say Colby White's batting average against was on the fastball? Right around 120. 120. Okay. So Devin Williams had an 088 batting average against his four seam fastball, which is just absurd. Um, Ron Marinacci out of 115 in 335 fastballs thrown. Uh, and then that's where Colby White would slot in. James Karen Jack would be fourth, Alexis Diaz fifth. That shows you he's in elite company with a four seam fastball. That's crazy. That's crazy. If that slider can come along, he's he's a legit closer. I think he will have a handful of saves for the race this year, though. I really do. I think he's going to get the opportunity to do that. Into the top 10. We start with number 10. It's Carlos Colmenares. And this is somebody that, you know, we won't have too much to talk about because looks have been limited. Uh, Colmenares was anytime the Rays shell out three million for an international free agent, you get you got to pay attention, right? They, they don't do that that often. <laughs> and and when they do, it, it's usually a guy that that fits the bill and it maybe isn't as risky as some of the other international free agents that you'll find. Uh, but Comenares, unfortunately, dealt with a handmate injury that you know, pretty much wiped out most of 2021. And then the power just hasn't quite come back in 2022. That's why I think it's unfair to, you know, really give a fair, fair, like definitive assessment on his power when I know for sure it takes more than, you know, that that recovery window to get the power back from that broken handmade bone. But what I really liked that I was able to see was Comanarez has sticking power at shortstop. He is a true shortstop by nature. His hands are soft. His actions are good. His left-handed swing is really smooth. Uh, the problem is he he has a, a pretty slow leg kick that he doesn't time up that well. So sometimes the foot gets down late and he looks rushed and you can see him get tied up a little bit. Other times foot gets down early. It's an off-speed pitch and he's out front. So it's a little bit of the timing issue. That's something that's so common for young hitters. He's 19 and has had a lot of at-bats wiped away from him. I think he'll be just fine. I see above average power potential as he kind of gets used to you know, that hand coming back. I, again, I really am giving him the benefit of the doubt on that one. And I think he can be an above average hitter. But, you know, I, don't, I know you won't have too much to add to this, Jack, because we're talking about a guy that's only played at the complex. But uh, you got to give him time. And, and I think when you have a $3 million IFA guy that – has already shown flashes. This is still a really, really exciting prospect and probably the only guy outside of the top five or eh, I'd say outside of the top seven or so in the system that I would say, Oh, that guy's could be a top 100 prospect. And I wouldn't blink by the end of the season. Yeah. I, I have nothing to add about him. Um, what I will say is him compared to others in the organization this year will be great for him to establish himself as a legitimate prospect. And it'll be great for the Rays if he succeeds, because all of a sudden you've got a wonderful asset in terms of trade capital, right? Because you've got a bunch of other guys that we're going to talk about here that have staying power at short and a, and a guy uh, of a similar age has exceptional staying power at shortstop. So if you're, if you're really sold on the guy that we're going to talk about in a couple of spots, um, then all of a sudden this guy becomes expendable. And, and that's the amazing thing, right? We're talking about how this system can ascend to like one of the best in baseball very quickly. If Colmenares becomes what he, you know, was 
supposed to be. Uh, if some of these other guys were about to hit on hit their ceilings, this system is going to be a force and and they can put together some really competitive trade packages, uh, even with some of the names we mentioned earlier, too. As those guys progress, maybe some of those guys are more expendable if they really like Comenaras. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that they can approach this. Yeah. We go to number nine. And also, you'll notice something if you're watching on YouTube, and I'll probably pause it so it doesn't give you a headache for those watching. But I am putting GIFs in there. Uh, I cut up some video so you can see these guys' swings um and or mechanics and i think it makes the 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 write-ups a little bit more fun and and gives you a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about here so as you can see this is oslevis basabe and basabe is another id'd uh secondary piece in in that nathaniel low trade which was interesting because everyone was talking about alberto hernandez in that deal and and alberto hernandez was kind of the, the the fringe top 100 guy that a lot of people were excited about and now Basabe all of a sudden has passed him. And Basabe, lower ceiling, he's an infielder um, that is maybe never going to hit more than five home runs in a season in his entire life. That said, his hit tool is, is arguably the best in the system. I think it probably is the best hit tool in the system. I have a 60 present, 70 future. It's just approach that's really holding him back from, from that 70 hit tool. And the power is not as, as limited as you'd think like there's gap to gap power here. This isn't David Fletcher. And I, I made the David Fletcher comp in the write-up in terms of the way that he can just throw his hands at the ball and sh- like shoot an inside out double over the first base bag. And just, just basically just almost play pepper with the ball. Like he can do that. And that's great. But he's another guy we're talking a swings. He can get his a swing off and put one in the gap and hit it pretty hard. Like his, his max exit velos of or 107, 108. David Fletcher's not sniffing that. So, mm-hmm. His swing path will never allow for power because he's very choppy at the ball, but he hits it hard enough that he'll be a high batted guy. He puts the bat on ball frequently enough to, to be, you know, a really solid hitter. And I think with his positional versatility, he could stick it short. He could play third. He could play second. He's got a big arm above average speed. His ceiling's limited, but this is one of the highest probability big leaguers. I think we're going to talk about today. Um. The go-to phrase that that jumps to my mind when you watch this guy swing a bat is hand-eye coordination. Like yeah. he seems like one of the most coordinated guys that you will find in minor league baseball. Yeah. This GIF, I think, perfectly exemplifies that because he is smaller in stature. You can see him pump a ball into the alleyway. He's got a relatively big leg kick, but think about He's seeing a big right-hander. Could that be Matthew Thompson? That might be Matthew. It Thompson. is Matthew Thompson. Good call. There we go. All right. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a victory lap on that one. But yeah. that's Matthew Thompson. Big guy, hard fastball. This mm-hmm. is a 94 mile an hour fastball that he's turning around on with that big of a leg kick. You should have no concerns about him getting the foot down in time because he got it down in time. And the swing is so short, so compact, and so to the ball. He's never going to get beaten by fastballs with that compact of a stature and that compact of a swing. He's never going to be overmatched. The only thing that might happen is he might start putting the ball on the ground a little bit, right? Because he's almost too fast. the the ball. Yeah. That's the issue. So you, you summed it up beautifully, Jack. He's a, a 90 plus percent zone contacts guy. And it's even better on fastballs. It's closer to 92%, but the ground ball rates too high. And, and, and it's okay. Like I, I can pallet a 50% ground ball rate when he hits the ball hard for him and it's a lot of line drives and he's fast, 
but it's got to be better than 56, 57%. Like he's got to cut that down a little bit. I think he'll get there and that'll come with, you know, a better approach when you're expanding the zone at the bottom of the zone, you're obviously going to hit a lot more ground balls. So I think he's going to, he's going to get better in that regard, but that's pretty much the only thing that's holding him back from the 70 hit tool for me is, is the, the expanding of, of the strike zone a little bit and ground ball rate. Totally different physical build, totally different swing. But the the thing that made Christian Yelich unpalatable this year, as opposed to his MVP years was because he was putting the ball on the ground 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. His MVP seasons, he was putting the ball on the ground 50% of the time. But the yeah. difference between 50 and 60 is freaking massive. Uh, absolutely. And and the thing with Basabe is when he hits the ball in the air, it's it's not a it's not a little, you know, duck fart, you know, that's Texas leaguer that's just flying into the outfield. He hits a hard line drive. Like it, it, it's a ball that he's it, it's a hard hit baseball. He's not just a slap hitter. He's got a little bit more juice than that. And I really like his positional versatility and he wasn't bad with the base stealing. I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but I think he's a guy that can steal 13, 15, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that uh, with, with pretty good efficiency when it's all said and done. Gotcha. Number eight. This is where it's going to get fun because I think a lot of people have Montgomery a little bit higher and I'm really interested to get your thoughts on this, Jack, as I have the gif up right now of him throwing a disgusting slider. So Mason Montgomery, Left-handed pitching prospect who had a really nice season overall, uh, dominated, absolutely dominated high A, then went up to double A. We saw the strikeout rate drop, walk rate jumped a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, but he still was really good. And this is a guy that was an under-the-radar draft pick, surprise, surprise, Ray snag him in the sixth round in 2021. And he really fits the bill of what they look for, right? It's just really tough to pick up um you know while while a lot of teams are just looking at pure rap soto data or, or or looking at you know the the pitch data in a vacuum the pitch data in a vacuum doesn't paint a rosy picture for montgomery it's it's average to slightly above average stuff but the way it plays up because of his crazy weird arm action that is very short it's one of the shortest arm actions you're going to see uh, and and also really hard to pick up because he exclusively works from the stretch. Comes set closed with that front foot about six to seven inches, uh, you know, in front of his back foot towards first base. So you're not really seeing him. His back's almost turned to you a little bit. He lifts that leg up and hides the arm and hides the ball with this short arm action. Then all of a sudden it's on you. And the thing that he does incredibly well is repeats that fastball release with the slider release and talking to, to Griffin Conine about this, you know, my good friend, it's always nice when I can bounce some pictures off of him. And he was like, man, the slider in a nutshell might not be the nastiest pitch, but it is so hard to pick up out of his hand. And everybody will tell you the same thing. The stats back it up. And that's why the fastball and slider were, were really effective for him last year. Watch this and tell me that you don't see Lucas Giolito, like a left-handed Lucas Giolito, right? I mean, that's all I see here because you've got such a short arm swing. You've got the ball right next to his ear. You've got the glove hand almost tucked immediately. The way that he kind of gets that torque going is by ripping down with the Mm -hmm. glove hand. He's almost got a lot of vertical movement here, which is probably why the fastball plays so well vertically. Like the fastball, it's what? It's low 90s, but it's good profile. It's low 90s, great 
shape, like 19 inches of induced vertical break. And for reference, you know, 17 and a half is around average 18 for the big leagues and, and probably even lower for, for the minors. So, I mean, that's, that's got some life to it. And then you got to also bake in where it's being released from. So it might be perceived as almost 20 inches of induced vertical break. And that's why nobody really hit his fastball that well. Right. This is kind of a Nick Anderson fastball where it comes from a really high arm slot and stays up. So guys are constantly going to be swinging underneath it. Um, as simply put as I can, hitters can't see the baseball until it's too late with him. Yeah. And I think that's why he's so successful, especially if you have good shape on the fastball and obviously the slider, you don't see it <laughs> until it's like on you. And then all of a sudden it's working away from you. It's probably a great lefty lefty slider. I'm not sure he can get away with sliders in the strike zone against right-handers. I feel like that might be the issue here. But a lefty-lefty slider working away, working off that high fastball, I think he is a left-handed hitter's worst nightmare. And, and you can see where I froze it on the video. And, and for those listening, you know, I froze it right after his release point. And you can just tell that there's no way that you'll know whether that's a fastball or a slider at that point as a left-handed hitter. And that's that's really what makes it so good is is by by the time it's too late it's sweeping away from you and uh, the fastball is just enough life to it to where you got to be thinking about that at the top of the zone too and he does a really good job of establishing it at the top of the zone then snapping that slider you hit the nail on the head as to why he's not higher on this list for me jack i think he he projects as a a, a four or five starter uh but i am concerned about how he's going to get right-handed hitters out because that changeup it's shown flashes and, and some evaluators have put a good grade on it. I think I can see the the flashes of that above average pitch, but at the end of the day, there were too many non-competitive changeups. I went through and watched almost all of them too many that never had a chance. So if I'm a right-handed hitter, I'm pretty much sitting fastball. If he spots the slider, congratulations, I'll tip my cap, spot it three times. It's a good fastball. So it's enough for him to get most average to below average minor league hitters out. But I do wonder how this works in AAA and in the big leagues when it's fastball slider. And at the end of the day, too, like really good big league hitters can start to sort through deception a little bit, right? Like, is the deception going to play up the same way? Maybe it will. It's just, it's, there's, there's a couple questions between the third pitch, between the deception. And I don't know how much more velo is in the tank with his frame and that arm action. So I feel like his ceiling's a bit limited. The floor is high, though. I mean, this is a guy that I think instantly is a swingman at the worst, which is why he's a top 10 prospect. And, and I might be a little too low on him. I, I, I'm acknowledging it that, you know, these are concerns that might be unique to, to me. I just, I do wonder, you know, how the deception of those two pitches is going to play up at, at higher levels. I, I think prove in the upper levels that you can get right-handed hitters out and you can get them to swing and miss at pitches in the strike zone. And then he shoots up this list. But as of right now, I think you're, I think you've got him in a really good spot because I really like this guy that we're going to highlight at seven. So this is the the one that I was kind of asking you about, man. It's like, okay, what do you think about this? Because Cole Wilcox at number seven is, is somebody that, oops, I opened another tab. Cole Wilcox at number seven is somebody that was on, on the cut, like pretty much on a path of, of getting to top 100 prospect status when he was pitching in 2021. Right. I mean, uh, and he missed a lot of time now with, with Tommy John surgery, but Wilcox third round pick, don't be a mistake. And he got the all time signing bonus record uh, yeah. in the third round uh, to, to be signed away uh, from another year at Georgia. And I mean, Wilcox, it's a three pitch mix that, that is really safe. A, a fastball that, 
is low to mid 90s. He's touched upper 90s when he's 100% healthy, and we'll see if that VLO comes back. We saw him at the end of last year and was already operating in the low to mid. Uh, but it's a heavy fastball, which has really allowed him to go from that stuff over command guy at the beginning at Georgia to a, a guy that can pound the strike zone. The fastball is just a ground ball machine. It was a ground ball machine before, and it's been a ground ball machine even when he came back. It's heavy. He locates it well, and guys just don't get it in the air. The slider, to me, is already a plus pitch. So you've got a ground ball-inducing fastball that he pounds his own with that's above average and a slider that's plus. And he already was showing a feel for the changeup. I think it flashed above average. is is still kind of teetering in that fringe average range. But again, he's missed a lot of time. He didn't have to throw the changeup in college much. And then he didn't get a chance to throw it much in pro ball because he was out with Tommy John surgery. So if that changeup makes the strides, I think it can. His command is already making the strides, I think it can, because of his confidence with the fastball. And the sliders plus is a three-pitch mix, 6'5 dude, that I think is going to make up for lost time really quickly. How about that as a one-two at Georgia in 2020? If they played a full season in 2020 with Hancock and Cole Wilcox as the one-two, I mean, Georgia is probably finding themselves in Omaha, Nebraska in in late June. Like, that was such a tantalizing duo. And Hancock, taller, lanky guy, pitchability righty. Cole Wilcox, yes, he's got pitchability, but he's a big, big human being. I've said it before. I've said it a bunch of times. I'll say it a bunch of times again and in the future. He is a bully ball pitcher. He's massive. He's bigger than you. He can overpower you. Until he gets to the heart of the order at the major league level, he's going to be more physically dominating than almost anybody that he sees. And the fastball shows that. It's You've got a 55 future on it. But the way that this guy works down on the mound with that size, it's almost menacing. Like It, it yeah. feels like a freight train almost coming at you. And the slider curls off just in time. And the ability to th- to throw a show-me changeup with that bully ball fastball, with the slider that's a great taste breaker and already really good. I mean, if he throws strikes, the world is his oyster, and he's proven that he can throw strikes. I think this is a top 100 guy. I think he's going to be with a good start, man, to, to this year. And you look at his numbers in, in, in low A. And remember, he was part of that Blake Snell deal in uh, yeah. a piece that – the, I know the Rays were very happy to get, uh, yeah, yeah. but you look at the numbers in 44 and a third low A, low A starts or low A innings, excuse me. He struck out more than 10 per nine and walked only one. So you break that down to 52 strikeouts and five total walks and 44 and a thirds innings. But what stands out maybe the most to me is the 61% ground ball rate. When you got a guy that can get you out in two different ways, right? If the swing and miss stuff isn't totally there, right? Let's say the slider is not where he wants it to be. I think you can get through the lineup one time around just getting ground balls and, and rolling you to death with the way he's able to command that that sinker with that that heavy fastball. Uh, if he's able to also add in a four-seamer with life at the top, then this guy might start to turn into one of my favorite prospects. I don't know if that's in the cards. I don't know if that's something he's working on. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep tabs on that. I think the changeup is the focus. But you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a major, major volume strikeout guy. But with the ground balls and just enough swing and miss – He's a high floor arm, has the 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 make to be a innings eater, number four type, and I think has the upside to be closer to a, an exciting number three if he continues on his trajectory. I think he's an exciting number three. Um, I think the stuff is honestly better. I think the slider is better than a back-end guy. 
Um, you know, there are good fours and fives that have good sliders. Like I'm thinking of, um, you know, Aaron Ashby, who's got disgusting stuff, but he's a four or a five. I just think Wilcox, his durability matched with how good the slider is and how, you know, dominating that fastball can be. I think he's a three. I think it's very possible. And what I like is I feel really confident that at the very worst, man, he's, he's a four or five. Like it, it, yeah. if it really doesn't quite come together stuff wise for him. Yeah. Number six, Mason hour, another dude that I saw in the Arizona fall league. And, and man, am I glad I did because he was awesome last year in low a and high a outfielder with crazy tools, but I think could be right on the cusp of being a top 100 prospect as well. Our, was a two-sport athlete in high school, and you can tell he's built like a linebacker, played football and baseball, and then went to, I think, Missouri State. Didn't work out from there. Went to San Jacinto Community College. San Jacinto Community College, also known as San Jack, is an absolute pipeline. It is an absolute pipeline in Texas. Produces a ton, a ton of professional and big league talent. Hour was viewed as, you know, maybe a tools over hit guy, given that he was a two sport athlete, that he was kind of muscly and burly and, and, and again, just super toolsy. But then he shows up to you know, camp this year or this past year in 2022 with a shorter swing. It's flat. So it's, it's more geared for line drives, but he's so brute and strong that he's able to hit line drives out of the ballpark. So he's still able to slug. He hits a lot of doubles, a lot of triples. And that flatter bat path allows him to more consistently make contact, especially with heaters at the top of the zone. And he's got enough adjustability to, to drive the ball to all fields. Our had a ridiculous year between low A and high A as a Juco guy. And then I liked what I saw in the Arizona Fall League. I was impressed. He's a plus runner that can play all three outfield spots. He stole 48 bags last year. He hit, I think it was 15 home runs and a ton of triples, a ton of doubles. And he has, I think, the best arm outfield arm or arm period in this race system. This guy's got tools, just unimaginable tools. And he hit way better than anybody thought last year. Like this is somebody I'm really excited about this year. You can say out the ass. He has tools out the ass. That's, that's, why, I, that's why I like this company because I'm allowed to say tools out the ass. If well, you get fined each time. You know, those are coming in the mail. What tools out the ass? Sorry for any, saying any tools curse out word. The ass. You will get fined that comes in the mail. Oh, all right. Sounds good. You have my address. Um, yeah, I mean, this guy is really, really talented and, and you can see it. And he's almost if you hit the upgrade button on Brock Jones, right? <laughs> yeah, like literally he's, better, he's the athlete, like he's the football player. That's just a better baseball player than Brock Jones is, yeah. I think. Um, and he's proven. It. And I like that, you know, something that I've talked to with a couple of guys, I remember talking to a couple of coaches out on the Cape and they said, I know it's frowned upon and it probably won't happen, but I was out on the Cape in 2018, which was after Spencer Torkelson's freshman year at Arizona state when he broke Barry Bonds' freshman home run record. And they said, if I was this kid, I'd be transferring to a junior college and getting to professional baseball a year earlier. You know, I don't, I don't understand why more guys don't do that. This is a guy that really benefited from transferring to a junior college, balling out, getting an opportunity to hop into baseball, do baseball full time. And he excelled in his first baseball full time. Um, yeah. If you are if you have confidence in yourself, if you think you are that good um, and, and usually you want stats to back it up, it's not a bad option at all. No. 
not at all. And, and I mean, look, look at what Cam Collier did. Um, exactly. You know, Cam Collier with a really unique approach, and and he he looks like he's well on his way here. So you know, I I really like how things have gone for our and and he he worked hard. I think to shorten up that swing, it is it is simple, and I love seeing twitchy, strong athletes leverage that to limit the swing and miss, right? So this is a guy that doesn't need a big leg kick, doesn't need a ton of movement to produce above average exit velos. So, okay, let's eliminate any extraneous movement. Let's simplify things. You look at his swing, it's hands are relaxed, just above the shoulder, small, quiet load, picks up the foot, puts it down, very subtle, and lets it eat. Doesn't move much, body is under control, and he lets his twitch and his athleticism and his strength do the work. What's also interesting is, the swing path is flat. The average launch angle is a bit lower than most guys that even produced as much slug as he did last year. But here's the thing. He hits the ball so hard that these balls get out on a line. It also allows him to more frequently make contacts. He was better than 80% zone contact last year. And he's going to just be able to spray line drives all over the field. And he will hit enough balls, especially the elevated ones with that bat path, hit enough balls hard that will carry out of the yard. When you pair that with plus speed, a 70 plus arm and ability to play all three outfield spots. He could be an above average defender in center. He could be an elite defender in right or left. I'm a huge fan of ours. All, all that's missing for me to put him in the top 100 list is decent numbers in double A, to be honest. Like he doesn't even have to match his numbers. If he's putting up decent numbers in double A, keeping the strikeout rate, you know, at, at relatively low, I, I think this guy's going to be a top 100 prospect. And what's also really interesting is that. Uh, I think he fits the bill of like the modern day leadoff hitter is a guy that can hit for power. That's going to get on base at a decent clip. I want to see how the walk rate progresses in double a, if he can keep it to nine, 10% and just absolutely flies. Like this is, this is a really intriguing option. And the, the Rays did a great job of IDing this guy in this, in the fifth round of, of the 2021 draft. The The only thing that I may push back on in terms of prototypical leadoff hitter is he may strike out too much. As the prototypical, I almost feel like it doesn't matter as much as a leadoff guy anymore if you can keep it under 25%. But I agree, that's the only question I have. But I think he might be able to keep it in the 20 to 23% range. If he does that, then that might be like the modern day leadoff guy. I just texted you a couple of links. Do you want to share which links I just texted you? Sorry, what was that? I just texted you a couple of links. Do you want to share what links I just texted you? <laughs> yeah, these are some good links right here. So I admittedly just, just picked these up. These are Mason Hour Bowman Chromados, which, by the way, you should be buying right now on eBay. Um, no doubt about it. I think they're like 20 bucks. You sent me a PSA 10, so out of 250 it was going to be a little bit more expensive. But Mason Hour's Bowman Chromados are going for 20 to $25 on eBay mind-blowing to me great and they're like 80 bucks that's that's a joke that's a joke because like this guy is fringe top 100 crazy crazy upside and he's going for pennies basically on, on ebay so i'm glad you just sent those to me i might buy one of them i've already bought a few um but just just so let the record show that is one of my number one recommendations right now on ebay is mason hours bowman chrome auto for around 20 to 30 dollars i would pay as much as 40 to 50 uh, for that card and still think it's a good buy cool next up number five carson williams shortstop who you know i thought had a really nice year but the swing and miss is is definitely a bit of a concern uh, but it's it's a cautious concern, right? You you look at the swing in the video; it's it's not egregiously long. 
it's it's something that I think he struggles to repeat at times and can find himself getting long. But ultimately, Carson Williams flashed some really, really exciting power, uh, put some really good numbers up in his first full season in low A and was was a first round pick in 2021. I think he's done nothing but solidify his profile as that late first round pick in 2021, put up good numbers. Uh, looks like a, a really interesting and intriguing shortstop, but I am worried that he gets to high A this year and, and maybe gets blown up a little bit. There's definitely a little bit too much whiff there. The swing is so advanced, though, for his yeah. age. Like, the, the swing is smooth. There's no moving parts. You know, I, I expect – I'm not going to go as far to say as I expect a Benny Montgomery-type swing from a high school draftee, but I, I expect <laughs> something to be standing out, right? I don't expect a high school drafted kid in low A and high A to look like a college kid, but yeah. that's what Carson Williams looks like. The other thing that jumps out is he was a top five round talent as a pitcher. He was what? He was sitting low 90s on the hill. He was almost yeah. like a two way guy at Cal Berkeley. Um, he's got staying power. If you have that kind of arm at shortstop and you move as well as he does, um, he is a true, true shortstop. There's no chance in hell that he's moving off of that position. And if he has to move, it's not to second, it's to third because the arm yeah. is that good. The arm is that good in the power profiles there, right? This yeah. is a guy that, that hit what 20 plus home runs this past season. And um, again, the, the whiff is a little bit concerning, but he was better against fastballs. I think it was more secondary identification, which is fine. He's a high school guy that was 19 last year in, in low A. Uh, and actually 18 at, at the season start 18 for most of the season. And the other thing too, is, is the lower half is barely involved compared to, to what it could be. And he also has a lot more projection there. This guy could throw on 20 pounds of muscle. He could get his lower half more involved. And now all of a sudden we're talking about easy plus raw power. Uh, we already saw flashes of, 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 plus raw power in the batted ball department with some of the exit velos. I think around a 105 mile per hour, 90th percentile is really good. Uh, but I think there's room for even more. So Williams could turn into a really intriguing prospect if he can you know, fill out a little bit more and, and get that lower half more incorporated. I do think there's a chance he moves to third if that happens, but he'll fit the third base profile, like you said, and, and I think mean, could be a 30 home run threat as he as he you know thickens out a little bit and, and gets his whole body more incorporated in the swing. 100 percent. This was this was a gem of a find at the end of the first round. And oh, yeah, we we see a lot of guys, you know, taken at the end of the first round that, you know, I, I'm thinking I, this guy was not end of the first round, but a Jet Williams type that was just taken by the Mets. Um, you know, that's somebody that. That profile is so volatile. When you find someone that looks like they are a surefire big leaguer at that young of an age, you hold on for dear life because yeah. they're so young and they have so much more room to grow. I think Carson Williams and, and Jet are very, very similar. Yeah. And, and you know, Jet Jet is a guy that I think is going to have a lot of helium um, and the hit tool might be a little further along. But again, Carson Williams hit tool is probably better than then the strikeout rate may may suggest with with like you said that the swing being pretty advanced for for his age and for his level. Yeah. Next up is an absolute freak, and it was tough to peg him versus uh, Carson Williams, but ultimately just the present power and and the the room for potentially seventy grade power is what put Junior Caminero over the top for me. We just talked about Junior, so we don't have to spend too too much time on him. If you want to hear more about Junior Caminero, check out the. Uh, eight breakout hitting prospects episode we put out 
last week. Caminero has some of the most ridiculous pop you're going to find out of a 19-year-old. Uh, and, and better feel to hit than you'd expect. There's a lot of moving parts to his swing. So this is a lot different than Carson Williams. But the fact of the matter is he put up more consistent zone contact in a small sample size than Carson Williams in, in, and put up better exit velos overall. He's already pretty much a third baseman, but I think he can be an above average defender at the spot. Big arm moves his feet well. I was floored when I saw the contact numbers, especially the zone contact numbers, after seeing his swing first, because Jack, this is a loud swing. It's a big, big leg kick. It's a loud barrel tip, uh, but he has so much whip and bat speed that, I mean, dude, it, it's crazy how explosive he is through the zone, and he's put up a 90th percentile exit velocity above 106 miles an hour. He's put up max exit velocities of 113, 114 miles an hour, and he's 19. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like that That's insane stuff, and he still has some more room to add. He could be a plus-plus raw power guy, and he's not a slouch with the bat-to-ball skills. So I've got a brother that is four and a half, five years younger than me. So when he was 12, I was 17, a junior in high school, right? And he and his friends would be playing like wiffle ball in the front yard or something. And when I would come home, I'd be like, all right, I, I need it at bat now. And I would swing like Junior Caminero swings, right? It's, it's big leg kick. It's this barrel tip. And it's, I'm going to swing as hard as I possibly can. And I'm going to let, you know, my older than you athleticism it just kind of show off and eat here in wiffle ball. Caminero has a wiffle ball swing and he somehow is really successful with it at the minor league level. And he's climbing up to the upper minor league levels. It's it's pretty absurd. And what's amazing, oh, by the way, his listed height and weight elsewhere is objectively wrong. I saw a picture yeah. of him standing next to like Vladdy. He's the same height as him. He's he's six two. He's probably about 215 pounds. Uh, but to produce the exit velos that he's producing is crazy. Uh, to, to not strike out much, you know, he didn't strike out at the complex. And then even in the low A stint, struck out less than 20% of the time. Aggressive hitter, swings a lot, but he has a lot of confidence. The one concern I have is can you get away with those moves against better pitching? and against better stuff. Uh, and that's my concern because he doesn't hold the back hip perfectly well. Like he definitely is a little heavy on the front foot. And with that barrel tip could, you know, take a little bit longer to get to where he needs to be, even with the freakish bat speed. So can he be able to duplicate those moves and will his timing not be thrown off against better pitching in double a, that's the big question. I, until he doesn't hit, I'm not going to doubt it because that is some freakish bat speed that you can't teach. He's going to be yeah. a decent defender at third, at least he's a above average or at least average runner. And when you have the, the contact rates that he's had with that violent swing, that's a guy that his upside is, is not only top 100, but it is, it is, you know, one of the better power corner infielders in the minor leagues period. And, and there's 30 plus home run potential, no doubt with that kind of pop and that kind of bat speed. Right. When, when you see a swing like that, your mind almost always goes to Javi Baez. But but Baez is so flawed in other areas like Baez chases all the time. He extends the zone. Baez has a lot of in-zone whiff because he can't read pitches that well. Common, at this point, and granted, we're talking about entirely Dominican Summer League and complex and then 26 games in low A, he hasn't shown that he's had issues with any of that. He hasn't shown that he's had issues expanding his zone too much or you know, like not reading pitches, not reading spin. So until that happens, I don't want to hear 
the the bias comp when it comes to swing complexity. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. And especially because I think he he he's a little bit. He seems to have a better ability of of IDing pitches, like you said, at least relative to his level. Um, and, and the other thing too, the last thing I want to say is this is one that I could easily see flip flopping. Like I don't feel strongly about Caminero over Carson. I ultimately it's just Caminero's batted ball data is absurd. And, and I see a, a little bit more projection power wise. It, it's, it's almost off the charts, but if Carson Williams gets off to a hot start next year and Caminero's struggling a bit, you know, as he gets, you know, more ABs and full season ball, I could easily see it switching. It's not something I feel extremely strong about. These guys are very interchangeable and very fluid and very raw. And a lot is going to change with these guys uh, almost week to week with how young they are. They're both 19. He Caminero also way drippier at this point. It's yes. like he's definitely has, like- the, has the flair and the flash. Last thing I'll say unreal trade by the Rays 40 man crunch. They sent Tobias Myers to the guardians id id junior caminero and now he already looks like the you know one of everybody's favorite breakout prospect for next year excellent one of the best breakout prospects last year was kyle manzardo who checks in at number three first base prospect with just such a sweet swing and and as i have in the tldr for the prospect right up here this is one of the safest offensive profiles you're going to find in the minor leagues it's a 70 hit tool, um, you know, probably 60 present, 70 future. It's probably closer to 70 now uh, after some of the stuff that I saw from last year. He hits lefties really well. He hits velo really well. He hits breaking balls really well. He doesn't expand the zone. Uh, he has probably closer to average to slightly above average raw power, but he's such a good hitter that he's always going to get into it. He's going to be able to hit 20 to 25 home runs. He's going to hit for a high average. And he's just going to be a really, really safe and good hitter for a long time. Manzardo is a stud, and it's hard to argue against the numbers, but everything data-wise and just, you know, visibly, you know, just watching him hit backs it up too. Are he and Aranda the same guy? <laughs> They're very, very similar. I think Aranda has more raw power. Manzardo is probably a little bit more consistent with the bat, which is crazy to say because Aranda is extremely consistent. And Aranda would have been number four if he didn't lose his rookie eligibility, just just for reference. As a 25-year-old, he would have been number four. Yeah, because he's that guy. I have no doubts about his bat, zero. Yeah, which is crazy. Manzardo is – it was Manzardo and Mervis, right? Like those were the two first base power prospects that just kept on climbing and kept on climbing this year. And Manzardo, when you look at – OPS leaders and when you look at WRC plus leaders in all of minor league baseball all of full season minor league ball Manzardo was up there with Mervis with Andy Rodriguez with Ellie De La Cruz Um, he was arguably the MVP of minor league baseball this past year like that's how productive the bat was Um, I like I don't know I think the Rays now have a surplus here, I think that's why they felt good about trading G-Man Choi because of yeah. Manzardo's breakup. I know that Eric Neander had Manzardo at the forefront of his mind when he decided to move G-Man Choi to Pittsburgh here. Uh, yeah, I just went on Locked on Rays and they asked me, you know, when when I think Manzardo can be up. And we know the Rays are a little bit weird with, you know, calling guys up at times and, and stuff like that. But in terms of when he could be ready, I think okay. he's he's he could be big league ready by, you know, June. July. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I don't think he is going to be much more tested in triple. Like this is a guy that I think is almost going to be better in triple tighter strike zone. Guys aren't effectively wild. He doesn't chase. And 
that's that's something that I think he's going to see his his overall numbers probably be even better in AAA because of the strike zone as a guy that has a great feel for it, a guy that doesn't miss in the zone, 86% zone contact, 87% something around, along those lines, and just has a good overall approach. I, that's a guy that I think is going to be better in triple. I really do. So he's going to put up big numbers in triple and, and get a chance the second they need somebody. But obviously, number two is going to be the guy that will get a look first, most likely, and that's Curtis Mead. Though the Rays could probably use a left-handed bat. That could be the only thing that puts – you know, Manzardo ahead of him, but Curtis Mead, I think he, he's big league ready now, Jack. Yeah. I I don't need to see much else. Uh, his numbers in triple A were really good. He was phenomenal in double A, which was where he played most of the season. And it's, it's just hard to argue against this swing. Another guy that they ID'd unbelievable to get him from the Phillies and traded. I forget who the pitcher even was. He's not on the Phillies anymore. It was like a, a depth arm that they ended up swapping for Curtis Mead. And then since Curtis Mead has gone nuclear, um, his swing is just so simple and so powerful, yet so consistent. And I, this is somebody that I've been talking about it for, I feel like, two years now. I love his bat. Another player that I will go to the grave with Curtis betting on Curtis Mead to be a 20 to 25 home run guy to hit for a high, a pretty high average and to get on base at a great clip. And Mead did exactly that in the upper levels last year, and I think he's going to do exactly that in the big leagues. It's just such a nice swing geared for a lift and carry without coming at the expense of frequent contact. There's a spot on this roster for him on opening day. And I'm just, you know, taking a gander at who's on the opening day roster. The untouchables, Yandy Diaz, Wander, Arena, Brandon Lau, uh, Margot, like there's no competition there. Aranda, there's some competition there. Uh, Christian Betancourt and Francisco Mejia are the catchers. And then you got Jose Siri. Um, he's not in direct competition with Taylor Walls and Vidal Brujan, but Harold Ramirez and Isak Paredes. I like Isak Paredes. I think that that torrid stretch that Isak Paredes yeah. was on last year was like very indicative of what he could become. And if anybody's going <laughs> to tap into that, it's the Rays. I feel better about Meade cracking my opening day roster than I do Harold Ramirez. I know that for some reason they want to latch on to Harold Ramirez, but I don't really understand why they're doing that when they've got a better version of him at 22 years old with a fresh service clock waiting there. What's interesting too, is even with Paredes, I I think he can pretty much fill that role immediately. Um, What was Paredes like real big selling point, right? Was mashing lefties and uh, some infield versatility uh, that you can plug and play. And and I want Meade playing more than that. Uh, But just for example, small sample size here, but Meade in 86 plate appearances against lefties last year in the upper levels, 388, 430, 688. It's an 11-18 OPS, five home runs, nine doubles, 31 hits. Uh, He crushes lefties, like just absolutely demolishes them. The year before, bigger sample size, 122 plate appearances, 954 OPS against lefties. So at the very least, this is a guy that you can call up, and I think you know he's going to have success against lefties, but he hits righties well too. And I want him in the lineup every day pretty much if, if I'm calling him up. So I think that's why we might not see him. Uh, but Peretti's his performance last year, I think, is what earned him that uh, another look this year. But if he struggles, if he comes down to earth a little bit, I think Meade's going to be that next guy up to fill that role, and he'll probably get more at bats. He can play a competent third base. I think he's more than fine there. He can play first. I'm interested to see you know, where else they might try him. They played him a little bit at second base. I think he can get by there. I mean, they're playing a Ronda there. He can't be, you know, I don't think he's going to be worse than a Ronda at second base. So he can play all of the infield spots and he can 
really hit. Uh, th- this is somebody that I was considering for number one. Uh, and, and ultimately, I think you know at this point it's going to be Taj Bradley. The youth of Taj Bradley is what put him over the top with what we've already seen. But, I mean, Meade is one of the better offensive profiles in the minor leagues, period. And he's pretty much as proven as you're going to find in the minor leagues at this point, especially for a 22-year-old. Yeah, if you're going to watch, if you're going to click on this article, if you're going to go read this article, for one thing only, it should be the gif that Aram put in here of him taking Waskari Noah to <laughs> Mars. Mars. If this happened against me, I would, I like, my girlfriend would text me like, what's wrong? You haven't <laughs> talked to me in six hours. And like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like, want to talk he violated Waskari Noah, which was just insane with this swing. What does this swing remind you of? It's like a little bit like like Trout-esque. I was going to say the, that. Trout with like no leg kick, obviously. Yeah, with the way the hands start and the way that he is really able to get straight down to the ball and lift is pretty impressive. It's a little bit of Longo in there too, Evan Longoria, but yeah. a little bit stiffer. Uh, but I, it's not bad stiffness. It's like simple move stiffness. And then very loose once he once he launches. But there is a little bit of trout in that swing, uh, yeah. which is always good to, to have some comparisons drawn towards. Uh, batted ball data, 107 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity is is elite. Uh, that is that is absolute uh, scorching bats uh, balls off the bat for him. Number one, last but not least, a guy that Jack we got to see in person. And he didn't have his best outing, but I think we both were really able to appreciate, one, the fastball, the hop that it has, and two, just how athletic of a pitcher he is. Taj Bradley is the number one prospect in the race system. And I've been seeing uh, a lot more uh, prospect write-ups on the race system, put Meade number one. I get it. But what, what puts Taj at number one for me is the fact that he's 21, has already had success in the upper levels, has the baseline of a 70-grade fastball, and an above-average fringe-plus slider. He's working on a splitter, and that splitter was was flashing average and I think can get there. But I'm going to bet on the, the super athletic kid with really clean mechanics and good command already to figure out how to throw at least an average splitter. And even if that splitter is average, with the induced vertical break, the, the life that his fastball has, that splitter is going to play up. And I'm playing a video right now, and you can just see the way that that fastball is taking off and just flying right over Tyler Nevin's barrel. It, it, it's ridiculous the way he's able to get in zone whiff on the fastball, commands it so well east to west. And, man, his mechanics are so clean, Jack. He's a freaky, freaky athlete, like a freak yeah. athlete. And, and you can see it in the mechanics, right? It's It's so simple, but then he's got that explosion that comes out of absolutely nowhere, and it's – um, I don't want to say McClanahan because McClanahan has a lot more tilt. I was trying to compare him to an organization made, but honestly, it's it's Walker Bueller level of athleticism and mechanical soundness. Um, Walker Bueller is the gold standard when it comes to that because he gets online so quickly and he, you know, everything is picture perfect, but you also can't repeat Walker Bueller's mechanics unless you're a good athlete. And that's what Taj Bradley is. Like Taj Bradley is just a really, really good baseball player that happens to be a pitcher. And you can see that with the pitch profile. The fastball is athletic. The slider is athletic. If it's possible for a pitch to be athletic, that's what Taj Bradley has. What stands out the most to you about his mechanics? I, I, I will always say I'm 
I feel like I'm, you know, much, much better with, with breaking down hitters than, than pitchers. And I know what to look for, but you know, there, there's certain things that, you know, with pitchers that I think stand out to you a little bit more than me. And for me, like number one is the athleticism and the fluidity and how loose his arm is. Is there anything else that like really stands out to you with Bradley? Because I don't know if there's very many pitchers in the minor leagues like him uh, in terms of how advanced he is, uh, you know, and, and in terms of just how athletic he is on the mound. Yeah, I, I think he is so mechanically in touch with who he is, and he doesn't rush any part of his delivery, which is the yeah. coolest thing. Um, you see a lot of really good athletes, and, and you even see it with Bueller. Like Bueller's windup is fast. Mm-hmm. Everything is moving quickly, and he times it up really well. Jack Leiter, really good athlete, but everything moves really quickly. Yeah. Um, Taj Bradley is so slow in control. You know, there's that slow first step with the left. He comes closed in a slow manner. He's so, I bet mentally he's point A, point B, point C, point D. Okay, fire. And that is the best way to go about it. Control, control, control. Now cut it loose. And I think that he is controlled until that left knee is at its apex. And then all of a sudden it's all systems go towards the hill and he's worked on the glove hand enough for that to be muscle memory. I just see constant repetition here. Um, it's almost like boss Shane yep. boss, very, very slow. Mm-hmm. And he needed to make a change. Yes. That was the change to get the command better. Yep. Like getting from point A to point B, you have no clock on you. Like there's no urgency. There's urgency as a hitter. They're waiting like the pitcher is not waiting on anything else to happen. They decide when the game happens. And and I think that's where Taj Bradley is best. Um, He's so in tune with the fact that he's not in a rush anywhere. And as soon as it's time for that freaky athleticism to kick in, it does. Well, you know, there there is technically a clock uh, now, but yeah, but it, it stops after you start the windup. No, I know exactly, and and it is amazing. His tempo is is really impressive. The way that he can continue to do that, and it's like controlled aggression, right? I always talk about like smooth moves into your load before you launch as a hitter, and then that that explosiveness there. It seems like Bradley, as you you mentioned, smooth wind up, and then right as he's ready to, to you know kind of catapult forward there, that's where the violence comes, and it's just super controlled aggression. Uh, if he gets this change up to average. With a seventy grade fastball potentially and, and a plus slider, this guy could be a you know a number two type of starter that'll give you flashes and more. But why I'm so high on Bradley is as it stands now, I feel really good about him. Worst case scenario being like a, a three or four. I, I really feel like even if the stuff doesn't get that much better, he's a high end four, low end three, which you don't get to say that about many pitching prospects nowadays. He's twenty one years old. Like this is crazy. He could he could really take his time in triple A could spend the whole year in triple A and he's still young by the time he debuts. So I don't think he's going to spend the whole year in triple A. I think he needs time though. I don't want to rush him to the big leagues. I want him to work on that splitter, work on the slider command. It's a little inconsistent Uh, work on the slider command, work on the splitter for maybe, you know, 10 starts or so. And then if the Rays need him, he could be ready to go, but I don't think there's any reason to rush. He is way ahead of schedule. Yeah, I think so. And I think the timing actually with with Boz being down with TJ works out really well because Taj Bradley will be up probably right around the all-star break for good, I would assume. So you're running out of postseason four of McClanahan, Glasnow, 
Rasmussen and Bradley likely with Springs as a swingman, a newly extended Jeffrey Springs. And then in 2024, you've got the last year at Glasnow. So you've got McClanahan, Glasnow, Bradley, Boz, Rasmussen, and Springs is extra. Yeah. They've got this insane crop of starting pitchers right now. And I think one of them could be trade bait if they want. I think that extra year of control for Glass now is really enticing. Um, I think one's going to move. It, it might be Tyler Glass now. And I think that they're more willing to move him at the deadline if Taj Bradley looks like we think he could look uh, pre-deadline. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it's going to be a Blake Snell type thing, less control. You know, kind of take the loss there. But you know, if they're looking really good this year, they're obviously going to keep Class now. I wonder if, if in the off season they go trade him in, in true Rays fashion and feel really good about what they've got. You know, with everybody else here, so uh, that's always fun. And I think Bradley, how he does this year, will will have a bearing on that. There's not many other teams that you would say that. Like, depending on how this top prospect performs, you know, their ace might get traded. But welcome to Rays baseball. And welcome to guess Rays what? Baseball. They've they've done pretty well in doing this. And I think Bradley and the return of Boz could be enough to force you know force their hand, quote unquote, because they like to operate that way. That'll do it for this system. This was a lot of fun. Uh, this this system is so fun to talk about. We're going to figure out. We haven't decided who we're going to do next. I might run like a Twitter poll just for fun and see what, what gets voted on. Uh, but we're, we're going to figure out what system we want to do next. This is something that you can follow along on. Again, go check the link in the description to go follow along and read all the write-ups if you if you want to get a little bit more on all these guys. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. We're about to hit a 1,000 subscribers. Really excited about that. If you're listening on audio, please leave us a rating. Help us grow this show. Any final thoughts on the Tampa Bay Rays system, Jack? No thoughts. Really good. Do the White Sox next, you coward. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I may, Maybe we'll save the best for last there. Wink, wink. But that'll do it for this episode. We'll talk to you about prospects later this week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.